Welcome to the Faith to You podcast. I'm Pastor Caleb Schrader, and we're continuing our series on biblical manhood and womanhood. Today, we're going to look at women in the Old Testament. And now, before we get into the examples of women in the Old Testament, we need to talk about how to read narrative text. It's really important to understand a difference between prescription and description in the Bible. Now, this is Old Testament and New Testament. What do I mean? Well, prescription, those are passages that are telling us that we need to do the same thing. This is telling us there's a command here that we need to follow, that we need to obey. Description is a lot of the narrative portion of Scripture. It's just telling us what's happening. It's not necessarily adding moral value to it. It's not saying that this is the model that you're supposed to do. So so we don't read everything that happens in the Old Testament and the New Testament and say, okay, we're supposed to do the same thing. Uh, For example, we see Abraham having a concubine. Well, we know that that's wrong because of the consequences. We have um, Jacob having multiple wives. We know that that's wrong. So there's, there's things that we read in Scripture that are narrative, they're descriptions. They're not telling us the moral value of that. They're just telling us what happened. We have to look at the rest of Scripture to understand whether that's good or bad. So we have to keep that in mind as we look at descriptions of women in the Old Testament. So first thing I want to talk about is the overarching pattern. The overarching pattern that we see in the narrative text in the Old Testament is that men are the leaders. That's what we see. That's the pattern. We see the the priestly class. Only men are allowed to serve as priests in Israel. We see over and over again that the kings, the leaders of the nations, are men. We see the majority of prophets are men. We see the majority of the judges are men. This is what we see over and over again is the pattern is, the overarching pattern is that men lead. But uh, I said the majority. Why did I say the majority? Because there's exceptions. So why are there exceptions? Let's think about a a few. And that's the thing. There is only a few. The first one, the most popular one, is Deborah. So we find the story of Deborah in Judges. Well, first thing you need to think about the message of the book of Judges is that this is not an ideal time in Israel's history. The theme of the book of Judges is that each one did what was right in his own eyes. We see that this is a time of rebellion for the children of Israel. Now, we don't read everything through the lens of rebellion. We have moments where God raises up judges and he uses it to reform the nation. And so when God's raising up a judge, it's usually because he's doing a good work through that judge. And we don't see in the story of Deborah that God's using her um, as judgment against Israel. We don't see that God's that God's judging Deborah for being a judge, that she's somehow um, usurping authority that she's not meant to have. We don't see any condemnation against her. We also don't see any commendation for her. So we just see that this happens. But as Deborah is judging, there's a time where God tells the children of Israel to go to battle. And Deborah doesn't lead them in battle. She goes to Barak and tells Barak that he needs to be the one who's going to lead them in battle. And we see that um, he responds to her this way in Judges 4 verse 8. Barak said to her, I will not go with, if you will not go with me, I will go. If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. I will gladly go with you, she said, but you will receive no honor on the road you are about to take because the Lord will sell Sisera to a woman. So Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kedesh. So what we see here is, is, is Barak is, or Barak is referring 
refusing to obey. God is sending a message to him through Deborah, and he refuses to obey that. And she says, well, you're not going to receive the honor. You're not going to receive the honor due a leader of the people. And he says, that's fine. He wants Deborah to go with him. And then we see that God uses Jael to kill Sisera. And this is, this is um, an indictment against the men in Israel. The men in Israel are not functioning as they should. And so God is using women to win, to win battles, to lead. This isn't a commendation for Israel during this time. But at the same time, it's not an indictment. It's not a condemnation against either Deborah or Jael. We see that these women are seeking to honor God. We also see in Scripture that God speaks woe to a culture when its women are leaders or warriors. What do I mean? Well, we have an entire book of the Minor Prophets that's written to Nineveh, to Assyria. And you might might remember Jonah goes to Nineveh, he goes to Assyria, and they repent. Well, eventually they rebel again, and God sends Nahum to them. And one of the things that Nahum says to them in Nahum 3.13 is this, Look, your troops are like women among you. Your land city gates are wide open to your enemies. Fire will devour the bars of your gates. So the indictment that God's speaking against Nineveh is that their soldiers are like women. Now, that shouldn't be insulting to you. That's the word of God. That's what God is saying. He's saying it's an, ins- it's an insult to a society when men should be warriors, but instead those men are acting like women, men who are supposed to be valiant and out in front and laying down their lives. When they act like women, that's an indictment against their society. When their borders are wide open, that's an indictment against their society. That the, we see this again in the judgment against Babylon in Jeremiah 51 30. It says, Babylon's warriors have stopped fighting. They sit in their strongholds. Their might is exhausted. They have become like women. Babylon's homes have been set ablaze. Her gate bars are shattered. So we see that this is an indictment against a society when its soldiers are acting like women. In other words, the role of a soldier is, is a distinctly male role. It's meant to be held by men in that society. And when those men act like women in that role, it's an indictment against that society. We also have examples throughout the Old Testament of women who were prophetesses, women who were prophetess. Um, we see in Second Chronicles 34, 22, probably one of the more famous ones is Huldah. Huldah was a prophetess in Jerusalem, and she's the one that Josiah sends word to to find out what's going to happen when he's read the book of the law, and he realizes that they should be judged. And what Huldah does is she, she affirms the word of God. She speaks from under the authority of Deuteronomy that, that Josiah has just now read that says that they're going to be judged. He sees all these curses that are going to come against them. But she also lets him know what God's word is for him, that because he humbled himself, these things are not going to happen during his reign. So if we see women in the Old Testament who are acting as a prophetess, that leaves the question for us, well, what's, what's the analogous um, role today in our society? Because we don't, we don't have a prophetess role in our society today. Well, we see in the New Testament that there, there were women who were prophetesses. We see Philip the Evangelist had daughters who were prophets. But what does it look like in our society today where we don't have people walking around any longer with a word from the Lord in the same way that they did 
in the Old Testament times or in the New Testament times? Well, we see in 1 Corinthians 14 that prophecy is meant for something very specific in the church. Uh, what do I mean? Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians 14.3. It says, On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. So analogous to prophecy today is any sort of spiritual speech that results in strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. In the Corinthian church, as people were prophesying, that needed to be their focus. In our church today, it also needs to be our focus. We need to be speaking so that people are comforted, so that they're encouraged, so they're consoled, so they're strengthened, so they're built up, so they're exhorted. It's the kind of speech that we should be having. So what can we glean from the pattern, from the example, from the description in the Old Testament of women who spoke? Well, we can see in the New Testament church today that women still are to speak. They're to speak, just like the prophets of old, for strengthening encouragement and consolation. Now, we know that this is a place for, for women to be speaking in the church because earlier in the same book, in 1 Corinthians, he'd given directions for what a woman's supposed to do when she prophesies in the church. She's supposed to have her head covered when she prophesies or prays. So we see that description. So it's for sure describing things that happened in the church. Yeah, so what, what's the application in our lives today? What I want to encourage you with is that women in the church have a role to play in the growth of the body. You know, I think that it's easy for women to think sometimes that they're not supposed to talk about spiritual things, that that's the place of men. But what we see is that fellowship, authentic fellowship, is considering one another, how to stir each other up to love and good works. And that's not a male-dominant sphere. That's for the whole body, male and female. That's for all of us to be speaking to each other for our edification, for our consolation, for our strengthening. We're all meant to, when we gather together, speak for the building up of the body. And so that means when the church assembles, whether it's on Sunday or in other venues where it's assembling, women have a role to play in those fellowship conversations where they're considering each other. You see, so much more happens in a church than just the authoritative speaking of the elders who are given the authority to teach. There's all sorts of other conversations. And as a matter of fact, if the only spiritual conversation that's heard in the church on a Sunday is from the pulpit, it's not a healthy church. A healthy church has preaching that evokes and promotes spiritual conversations among the body. And men and women both have roles to play in that spiritual conversation, in speech that results in strengthening encouragement and consolation. So these are the kind of conversations that we should be having. These are the examples that we see in the Old Testament that women had a role to play. In our next part, we're going to talk about the heroic women of the Old Testament. Thank you so much for listening to me today. God bless.